This is Performance Deliver, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, we're going to talk about leadership marketing. Here to speak with me about the topic is Lacey Box, who is the director at the Content Direction Agency. Lacey helps busy thought leaders consistently publish strategic content that moves you closer to your business goals and captures their voice perfectly. Lacey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Lacey, before we, before we dive into today's topics, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So uh, I've been doing this business for about eight years now. Uh, before that, I was a journalist here in Colorado. I worked for a hyper-local magazine in Boulder County, Colorado. <laughs> I was the food editor there and the associate editor. And um, that's nice work if you can get it, get paid to eat. Not a bad job, but it was very um, time-consuming. We were a very small team, so we worked extremely hard. It was, you know, 60-plus-hour weeks on the regular, and sometimes we were, well, most of the time we were there till two or three in the morning every month on deadline for the magazine. And uh, when I got pregnant with my daughter, I decided that that was not sustainable, especially with a baby. <laughs> so I went out on my own and decided to freelance. And I did that for about a year. I started a food blog, which because I was a food writer, that made sense. And that's what you did back in 2011. Everybody was starting a food blog. Uh, but I didn't realize when I started, I didn't have any business experience at all. And I didn't realize uh, the, the business model of a food blog is very much you have to have a huge, massive, massive audience to make any money from it. Uh, so I, I lovingly call that my four-figure year because I, I didn't make very much money at all. And so at the end of that year, I thought to myself, well, I'm pretty good at the writing, the blogging part of this. Maybe other people would pay me to blog for them. And turned out they did. There was definitely a demand for that. And so the content direction agency grew from there. We, we mostly write blog posts and emails and other ongoing content for small business owners and thought leaders and help them produce more strategic content uh, in their voice without them having to do it themselves. So what made you decide to focus more on developing content for, for leaders, for business owners, instead of going the route that, that many content specialists go, developing content, general content for businesses? Sure. So when I was getting started, um, I started working with a, a brand strategist as she was my client. And she pointed out to me that I had the gift of being able to write in other people's voices. And I honestly didn't know that was something that other writers didn't do. I thought that was something we all did. But she told me, she pointed out that it was pretty unique. And she said to me that she thought a lot of people who had personality-driven brands uh, whether it was a, a person, for example, a coach or something like that, who is the brand or uh, a product, but that has a strong personality brand, that they would be very interested in having a writer that could mimic that brand voice that was already established. And so that's sort of what I leaned into as we were growing the business. And as we have hired other writers, that's the, a skill I have looked for so that we can mimic the brand voice of somebody else so we can sound like them and their their followers their audience need never know that they've outsourced if they don't choose to say so 
Interesting. So what does someone have to have in order to to write in, in someone else's voice? Is there, is there a specific skill set that a person has to have? Yeah, it's funny you ask that because it's been very challenging for me to define it in order to hire for it. What I have found is that people who have a fiction background tend to be really good at it. I think it's because we have a lot of voices in our heads. <laughs> uh, so we, we naturally think in other voices, but also people in, from journalism backgrounds tend to be able to do it. Um, and I'm not sure why that is, except maybe that they are accustomed to interviewing people and hearing the differences. Uh, you know, when we get down to the nitty gritty, it comes down to being able to change your diction and the style of your writing to match the style of the brand you're writing for. So we've developed a way of creating brand voice style guides for the writers so that they can, we can say, for example, um, you know, they don't use contractions or they do use contractions or they swear or they don't swear or whatever it is that we need to convey about how that person's voice uh, works in a content yeah. standpoint. So when you work with someone, do you send them kind of a, a questionnaire saying, so, so, so what kind of words do you use or don't you use? Um, what is your general style? Because I mean, I would assume that you have to, have to kind of identify those, those little quirks or those differences in order to be able to, to write for Yes, them. yeah. So yes, when we're doing this strategy, a lot of times I'm asking questions specifically just to listen to them talk because very often a personality brand is, is very similar the way they talk and the way they present themselves online. So I want to hear how they speak, what kind of idioms they use, but yes, we, we will actually ask them, talk to us about your lingo for your, for your business. You know, what, what phrases do you use? What metaphors do you use all the time? And then we also have a list of things we never use, right? So I ask, you know, what words do you hate? What phrases should we never, ever use on pain of death? And we put those in the style guide as well. Interesting. So today's topic is leadership marketing. Obviously, there's another term out there, thought leadership marketing. Is there a difference between the two? And if so, what is leadership marketing that thought leadership marketing is not? Or does it include leadership marketing? Sure. So... Um, Thought leadership to me is when you're going out there and presenting new thoughts, new ideas that are different in your space and, and using that communication as a way to build your platform. When I say leadership marketing, what I'm actually talking about is being as much a leader with your marketing as you are with your thoughts or with your, your services or your products in your niche. So what I was seeing is that there were all of these business owners and businesses that were unqualified, I mean, completely leaders in their own niche, right? Everybody would say so, but they were following the same cookie cutter marketing plans to try to market themselves. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, if they're such a leader with all their products and services and their thought leadership and what they're saying, why are they doing the same thing that every other person out there is doing to market themselves? And that's kind of where I came up with the idea of leadership marketing, that we can be leaders in how we market to our audiences as much as through what we do and, and say in our business. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really where the, the term came about for me. And that's kind of the difference I see. How much do channels play a role in that leadership marketing that you provide? You know, that's a great question. I think channels um, depend very much on your audience and also on how you like to create. So leadership marketing to me has three parts. It, it has, um, your brand voice, 
It has your ideal customer. And it also has the data that we need to look at to say what's working and what's not. And, and where those three things come together is where we can find your particular leadership marketing strategy for any business. So channels would fall into the ideal customer. Where are they hanging out? You know, so you're not going to get a lot of traction on TikTok if you're looking to talk to CEOs because uh, they just don't hang out there. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, likewise, you're not going to reach uh, Gen Z on LinkedIn very often. So we kind of have to make sure that the channel is aligned so that you can be a leader because you're actually reaching your ideal customers. How does an individual become a leader in, in their marketing? What's a different approach to marketing their business, their products, their services compared to marketing themselves? Sure. So there's, there's two ideas there, right? So is, is the business and the personal brand the same? In some cases they are, and in some cases they aren't. Um, I think a great example of this is a client I worked with for a long time. The, the company is called Bluffworks. They sell um, men's and women's now, I think, uh, technical travel clothing that doesn't look technical. So they sell clothing that doesn't wrinkle on the airplane, but mm. still looks like a nice suit. And when they got started, um, they started on Kickstarter. It was very scrappy. And their CEO, Stefan Lobel, was really the voice and personality of the brand. And then as they got bigger, they hired this giant Madison Avenue branding agency, which put them with like these very serious models and very dramatic, moody photographs. And they lost a lot of their brand share. They lost a lot of people because it wasn't the same quirky brand that people had come to love on Kickstarter. So when I came in, they were rebranding again, putting Stefan back at the center of the brand. And so for about four years, he and I worked really hard at creating content that was direct from him as the CEO, but still relevant to Bluffworks as the brand, right? So people had come to enjoy his travel stories and his quirky personality. And that's what we wanted to bring back into the brand um, through his blogging and emails and things like that. It worked out really well for them as well. We had a, right before, before I left, um, they were doing a round of angel investing. And so since we always did behind the scene blogs and emails for them about what was going on in the business, we wrote a blog post about going into this round of angel investing. And when we sent out the email, we put at the bottom, uh, sort of a PS said, hey, if you're an accredited investor and you would like to talk to Stefan, hit reply. And it, it went out to about 10,000 guys who wear pants, right? These weren't, it wasn't like a list of investors, but within, within a day or two, he had 16 responses and that turned into three investors investing over $300,000 in his business. So oh, wow. it was one email that generated $300,000, but it was actually the four years we had put into building that brand with him and his personality. So how personal does someone have to be in, in order to, to create their own marketing? So they're, they're marketing for themselves. Does it, does it have to be personal, that approach? No, I don't think so. Um, we tend to work with those types of people, but I think it would work just as well for a brand that is a brand, not a person. Um, really, the, the key is not so much does it have to be personal, but are you, are you creating something that is leading in your market space. And what I mean by that is like, for example, if everyone in your niche is doing, you know, 90 minute webinars that lead to a sales call, that a sales pitch that leads to whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and you decide to do something different, that is being a leader in your marketing. 
especially if it works, right? So <laughs> if you know that your clients don't have time to sit through a 90-minute webinar, you can jump ahead to something else or give them a quick challenge they can do before they get on a call. That's being a leader. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with how much, how personal you are in your brand, but is it is the marketing you're doing personalized to your clients and your business? Yeah. You know, in the beginning when we when we started talking and when I when I looked at your website, my understanding of, of the service was more that is mostly focused around content. But from what you just said, I get a feeling that you do much more than just content creation because this obviously requires a strategic approach. This requires someone to to sit down and think about who is the person that I'm talking to, what do they want to achieve, and, and how can we go potentially a different route to achieving their goals? Right. So what happened was I got sucked into the marketing strategy because I found that when I when I started this business, I thought, as you were saying, that I would just show up and produce the content. I would just write the words. But what I found very early on is that people were asking me for advice. They were asking me for, what do you think of this strategy? How would you do this? And so I took it upon myself to get educated. And as I was getting educated about marketing strategies, I developed a lot of strong opinions. And so mm -hmm. uh, over time, I have moved more into that strategy space because what I discovered is, you know, we can have the best writers on the planet. We could write the best blog post ever written. But if there isn't a strategy in place to support mm -hmm. it, nobody will see it and it won't do any good. So yes, um, I would say nine times out of 10 now, we start our engagements with our clients with a strategy session so that everybody's on the same page. We all have a 30,000 foot view of what's trying to be accomplished. And I really enjoy brainstorming those ideas. So how do we reach your customer who doesn't want to watch the 90 minute webinar? You know, what do we do differently? How do we make that happen? After you, or as part of your strategy, obviously is creating a marketing plan. What's the frequency of, again, I don't want to just minimize it to content creation and pushing mm -hmm. content out, but how frequent does this, the marketing have to be done in order to promote a leader and then create a voice for that person? It totally depends on the goals, but it also depends on the bandwidth of the leader. So if they are outsourcing to us, that helps with the bandwidth, but we still have to interview them at some point or, or get some kind of you know brain dump for them to tell us their ideas so we can create the content. So a lot of it uh, depends on the goals of the marketing. We always start with the goals because, for example, if they just need one $20,000 coaching client every month, that's very different than somebody who needs to sell $10,004 widgets, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. So we, we have to create the plan based on those goals and understanding what we're trying to derive. So the guy who's selling the $4 widgets needs to post much more frequently in order to get enough leads to make enough sales. Whereas the coach who maybe only needs one sale a month can get away with less, but we still want it to be very high quality, right? So, so there's a lot of, uh, it depends in that answer. I think what I normally tell people is anything less than once a month with a piece of quality content, whether that's a blog, a video, a podcast, whatever, is too little. Um, and, and it can go up from there. So most of my clients are posting a piece of something meaty once a week um, and then using their social channels to promote it during the rest of the week. So with every marketing activity, at the end of the day, there is kind of a goal that you want to achieve. That doesn't necessarily have to be a monetary goal, 
right? No. Certain revenue, or as you said earlier, you know, this bluff works, and they were able to get $300,000 in funding through one email. Talk a little bit about identifying the ROI or, or goal for, for leadership marketing. How, how do you go about that? Right. So sometimes it's a sales goal. Sometimes it's, um, you know, a monetary goal, but other times it's about engagement or it's about growing a particular channel or things like that. So for example, if I had somebody, I did have a client who was um, trying to sell a book. So she had written a book proposal, was trying to sell it to publishers. And she was given the advice that um, she needed to have at least 10,000 people on a platform in order to prove to the publisher that she was marketable. Mm. So she, because she's very high integrity, didn't want to go out and buy 10,000 followers, which you can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. She wanted to create them organically. So we started talking about what is the type of marketing, what is the type of content that will draw in the right kind of audience and get them to share it, right? Get them to engage with the content, share it with their friends, invite people in. So how do we create that kind of viral for a better lack of a better word content that will grow her platform to 10,000 people. And, and so that's kind of a different ROI, right? It's kind of a different measure of whether or not we succeed. And sometimes with my clients, the biggest ROI is that we're taking the content production off their plate, right? So they get back those many hours that they might've spent creating this content themselves. That's a different kind of ROI altogether as well. Earlier, you mentioned that, you know, when you when you start with a client, you, you ask a lot of questions in order to get there, get a feeling for for how they communicate um, in order to write content for them. How much how much time is required for someone that engages with you on a, on a monthly basis um, if they just want to hand off the content creation? Right. So it, it definitely depends on the person, but um, we have we have clients who spend as little as maybe less than an hour a month. Some clients just want us to research the topic and present an article. So I can think of one guy in particular. He sends three topics a week. He says, here are some articles. Go for it. Like It probably takes him 10 minutes to send that email. Other people... Um, they prefer to talk it out or be interviewed because that's how they think better. So it might take a little more than an hour, maybe let's say two hours a month to get enough information for the writer to write the blog post. But in most cases, that's a significant decrease from what they were spending because if they struggle to get their thoughts out into writing, for example, um, I've had people tell me they spend upwards of eight hours writing a single blog post, which blows my mind. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's my zone of genius. So of course, it, it doesn't take me eight hours. So if I can get them back six of those eight hours, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. So obviously, content need to be hosted somewhere. Does a business, the leader of that business, do they have to have a specific blog post or destination to house the content that you create? Or can that just be integrated in the existing website, for example? I think it can be uh, integrated into the existing website for sure. Um, I always recommend to people that they, whatever their piece of content is that's sort of the hub of the wheel for their marketing engine, um, that it needs to live on their website. So sometimes people will say to me like, well, I do really well on Instagram. Can't I just do Instagram? And I'll, I'll reply, yes, that's great, but you don't own that platform. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know the, <laughs> the perils of, 
of being at the mercy of the Facebook algorithm or the or the Instagram algorithm or the LinkedIn algorithm. So I always want them to keep the hub of their content on their own website and then promote it through Instagram or wherever. A long time ago, Brian Clark of Copy Blogger called this um, digital sharecropping, where if you're building your platform on somebody else's land, it's not a good it's not a good method, right? You want to have your mm-hmm. own platform somewhere. So I definitely recommend that it be on your own website, but you don't necessarily have to have a separate blog for it or or it can all be under the same umbrella. Yeah. So how does one outsource content um, when you're trying to be a leader within your marketing area or within your business? What would be or talk me through the steps someone engaging with you? Yeah, sometimes people struggle with that idea because uh, in their mind, if they if they are becoming a thought leader, that means that they have to produce it themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But really, what we do is we take their ideas and we just do the work of putting it out there. We we do the work of putting it down on paper. So when somebody engages with us, we have a strategy session first. So I get to know the business, understand the goals. We come up with the marketing plan, and then we create the editorial calendar. So For usually about six months at a time, we will actually brainstorm out what are we going to write about each week and why? How is that going to lead to more sales for your business? Mm -hmm. And then the writer takes over from there. And of course, depending on the client and what they want to do, they either interview them or get an email from them with their ideas. So at that point, the CEO or the thought leader or whomever it is, um, is able to just say, here's my idea. You take it and run with it and produce the final piece, right? That's how we look at it. And then what's great is once you have, for example, a really nice article written, a really great email that you can send out, even podcast show notes, we do that sometimes. Um, Many, many other pieces of content can be created from that core piece, that that Mm -hmm. hub of the wheel. So we can then take lots of clips and put them on Facebook or put them on LinkedIn, you know, take quotes out. Um, the team can turn it into graphics, all kinds of things so that the, the actual CEO, the thought leader, doesn't have to be involved in all of that, right? It takes a huge burden off of them so that they can be doing what they do best, which is usually not marketing. <laughs> <laughs> So the content, the content you create, is that much different to content that usually is created for businesses? And you know, you mentioned podcasts, um, you mentioned graphics, blog posts. Is there anything from a content perspective that is different to to that of businesses that create content? I would say no. I would say um, the actual meat of it might be a little bit different. You know, if you have a personality-driven brand, you might be telling more stories. You might be telling, giving more personal anecdotes, things like that. But the the delivery mechanisms are not not different. We we do try to personalize and and create um, create marketing plans where we take the puzzle pieces and put them together a little bit differently, right? So the way we put all those puzzle pieces together to create a marketing plan is going to look a little bit different for every single business we work with because we are looking for where is their leadership opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the, the pieces are all the same. We just mix them up and put them together a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah. How do you measure the success? We talked about KPIs earlier, but how do you measure the success? And, and when do you decide to make adjustments to the strategy that you develop? Because you might be spot on or you might have to adjust certain things. How does that work? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm definitely not a, like a psychic or a mind reader. So <laughs> we definitely have to make sure that my plans are on track. When a client does a strategy session with us, we have a built in a three month and a six month check-in uh, to make sure that things are trending in the right direction. And when we do those, you know, 30,000 foot view strategy sessions, we, we define what those metrics will be that we're going to look at. So sometimes it is email subscribers. Sometimes it's as simple as sales. Did sales go up? <laughs> Sometimes it's as simple as did traffic to the website increase? Other times it can be a little more specific. I have one client we just worked with recently and I wanted her to track how long people are on her email list before they become a customer because we were specifically looking at whether or not her automated email sequences were successful or not. So you know, the average customer converts within 15 days. That tells me one thing. If it takes them 90 days to convert, that tells me something else. And, and it would change how we spread out the emails. So, you know, when we check in with her in three months and again in six months, if she can collect that data, we'll be able to make some better educated guesses <laughs> as to how to address that in the strategy. Yeah. Is there specific software uh, or tools available that can accelerate, uh, further improve what you're doing? Other than, Which, you know, the platforms like Instagram, Facebook, where you post the content yeah. to or where you where you share the content to. We actually try to keep it very simple because most of my clients are not super duper tech savvy. So we try to try to keep it as simple as possible. For example, I do my editorial calendars in Google Sheets <laughs> because okay. everybody can look at a spreadsheet. Um, However, I, I do love, I love Airtable right now for creating um, a hub for their marketing team so that everybody can be on the same place. Um, I'm also really liking Notion as a way to keep content all in one place, you know, and have sort of a, a home base, especially when you're working with a team that might need to access different parts of the content at different stages. That's, that can be a really useful tool. But no, we don't, we don't really have any specific... <laughs> tools i wish there was i wish there was like a here push this button and it makes everything work <laughs> if anybody wants to develop that please let me know <laughs> perfect well Lacey, thank you for joining me on the performance Divide podcast and sharing your thoughts on, on leadership marketing definitely uh, i have to say uh, a different approach or different thoughts to the normally discussed thought leadership marketing for which you can find tons of articles and uh, blog posts, podcasts, etc. Not so much on leadership marketing, unfortunately. Um, if people want to find out more about you and uh, your company, how can they get in touch? Sure. Best way is to go to laceyboggs.com to check check us out. And um, if you'd like to schedule a call, you can go to laceyboggs.com slash undercover. There's a big red button on that page to uh, get on my calendar. And we use undercover because we go undercover as you in your business. So uh, that's just our fun branding messaging there. Great. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Divert podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast if you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.